Comic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Podcast Log Supplemental, this is CT of NerdLunch.net at the helm of a tag special. That's right, tonight I'm here at Quark's in the DS9 Promenade, drinking a glass of fine canard. And uh, let's see who else is sitting at the table here with me. Hey, 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 it's Michael DiGiovanni. I'm chilling with Odo right now. And for this tag special, I am having myself one of Neelix's favorites, Neelix? Why am I saying Neelix? But, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, we're off to a bad start already. No, and I'm drinking myself a Brooklyn Summer Ale. All right, well, uh, Mr. DiGiovanni, I am uh, happy that you're here with me at the uh, the table. And uh, we wanted to do this uh, Atomic Geeks special because you are unable to be a part of the uh, New Year's resolution episode that I am going to be recording with the other geeks. Yes, that's true. And we also... We really wanted to get this show out there with CT and myself on a show because we didn't want to create the illusion that we had some secret hatred for each other because the last time you were on the uh, the Atomic Geeks, I was also not there. So this is really to just let everyone know that we do like each other and we want to talk. Yeah, now that's that's the illusion, that we like each other and we want to talk, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hopefully we're not tearing a hole in the space-time continuum, but I just wanted to clarify that this extra is actually being recorded before episode 115, uh, but this will probably post after that episode. So we're uh, we're not going to be able to refer to what the other guys and I talked about because it hasn't happened yet. My brain hurts already just trying to think of this paradox we're creating. As, uh, as Chief <laughs> O'Brien would say, I hate temporal mechanics. <laughs> We, I knew you were the right person to host this Star Trek episode bonanza. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's a little bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's well, let's not call it sad. I, we you know we got to get into it first. I'll tell right, you if right. it's sad in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, just to start off, one of the questions that I plan to ask the other guys, I wanted to ask you. Is uh, is just you know here we are. We're we're going to be on episode one one five and. Uh, and you're just now getting to a Trek-devoted episode. What took you guys so long, do you think? Well, you know, if, if anyone that's listened to the Atomic Geeks for uh, at some length, you know the most of us are big Star Wars nerds. And I don't know what you call that. I know there's Trekkies and Trekkers. I don't know what you call, what are we, Force Faces? I don't know what uh, you call them. Big losers? No, big, I don't Yeah. Yeah. Ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of blinded. Ewok is... lovers. Yes. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. Admiral Akbar fan club. No. Uh, th- so we've we've been devoted Star Wars fans, and I think when you come out of the gates with uh, doing a, a podcast about geek lore, we kind of threw all of our favorite stuff to the wall first. And Star Trek, uh, admittedly, is not, I guess, not high on that list. So, but that said, and I know we got called out by some of our of our listeners on that, we've sprinkled some Star Trek references, and we're not, like, well, I'm only going to speak for myself here, because I don't know what the fellas are going to say in the past, in the future, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't but know. I, I know, I like Star Trek as a brand, as a uh, TV movie uh, franchise, I'm just not 
I would not consider myself an expert, maybe like yourself, CT, to uh, to even go there. And Star Trek is one of those things where if you're going to try to talk it, you better be ready because a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and people who are into it in general, like myself, are really into it. And uh, it's... You know, it's hard to have a surface level conversation because we start uh, we start getting into the nitty gritty and talking about warp speed and that can't happen because in episode four this this was the situation and so yeah what? it can be uh, it can make people stand off yeah <laughs> and that's the thing it's like it's almost like there isn't such a thing as a casual Star Trek fan I mean I, I, I when I was into Star Trek I was quite absorbed into it like now but I I maybe just don't know the lore as much I maybe I am a casual fan I don't know. But uh, so you yourself, where are you on? If I if I said one to ten, ten being the highest, how uh, where do you consider yourself on the Star Trek fan barometer? Um, I'd say I'd, I'd be pretty high, you know, eight eight or so at least. I mean, I'm not um, I'm not a fan of the entire the entirety of Star Trek. I'm not a uh, I'm not a fan of Voyager and Enterprise. I have watched quite a bit of it in spite of that, um, but. Uh, Definitely a huge fan of the uh, classic Trek, Next Generation for sure, and Deep Space Nine. Um, so I own uh, all the movies and all three of those series on DVD, and I've watched them plenty of times. So. Now, did here's a question. Did anyone like that series, Enterprise? I mean, is that universally hated by everyone? Well, as I recall, uh, Mr. Downs enjoys Enterprise, but he also likes Stargate and Smallville, so... <laughs> I, I, I like that he's not here to defend himself, but we constantly like to get these jabs in at, uh, <laughs> at Stargate. One day, maybe I'm going to be forced to have to watch that, but oh, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, everyone you talk to, uh, you know, Star Trek fans seem to think from the majority that Enterprise was the weakest of the uh, of the series. Is that a safe assumption? I, I don't know. I think I liked Voyager less. I think there was more in Enterprise that I did like, uh, especially by the end of the series, there was, there were some things that they were kind of starting to do right. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, they're both pretty weak. Yeah. I, but, uh, I did not watch any of enterprise. I watched some Voyager, but enterprise, I completely, no, you know what? I lie. I saw, I think I saw the premiere. And as soon as I heard that theme music, I was <laughs> yes. like, what in the hell is going on here? You were inspired to live out your dream, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, kind of talking about the shows that uh, I didn't like and that you didn't watch, uh, let's talk about the other side of that. And, and one of the shows that you have been vocal about in past episodes is uh, your enjoyment of Deep Space Nine. And so one of the reasons or one of the additional reasons we wanted to do a tag special was to be able to talk about this show. I don't get the sense that the other guys care about it, so I'll probably skip over that for the most part in uh, 115. In the um, future but, or in the past? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I thought we could focus a majority of our time in this special uh, to talk about Deep Space Nine. Cool. Like, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like I said, I as far as far as my Star Trek universe uh, interest goes, I, I've seen all the movies. I saw all the the uh, the classic Trek. I saw all of TNG. Um, so I've seen, and obviously I've seen J.J. Abrams uh, reboot, which I thought was fantastic. But the TV is where I get a little weak. I, I, I don't think I've ever watched 
the original cast an episode. I you know sh- you know strike me down, but I've, really? I don't think I've ever seen an episode of that. The uh, Next Generation, I've seen a handful, like a smattering of those. DS Nine was the one, and the story is: I was off at, in university, and I was in a v- remote, even more remote for Canada. Like I'm talking very remote town up north Ontario. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have the greatest TV cable selection. And the one channel, and I'm also a student, so we weren't paying for a lot. So the one uh, channel that we had seemed to be playing DS9 in proper order all the time. So I just, as a university student, you have so much time off, I just kind of went, oh. And I think I caught it literally maybe seven, eight episodes into the first season. And then they showed it sequentially post that. So I just, throughout that throughout that year at school, I think I watched practically, it was on five days a week. I think I saw the entire, what was it, seven seasons? Seven for DS9? seasons, yep. So that was the one I just got hooked on. Yeah. Um, well, and, and when I was in college, it was on originally, and uh, actually, uh, Gigi, one of the uh, other members of Nerd Lunch and I would uh, we we went to school together, and we would often get together and uh, watch Deep Space Nine and and chat about all the different plot points and uh, and, and stuff after afterwards. And um, so that um, you know, Deep Space Nine sort of came at a good integral time for me, and and um, and I've since watched it again all the way through, and. I th- I would have to say, it's tough. I mean, I I really like Next Generation as well, but I, I do think Deep Space Nine is probably the better, the best of the Star Trek shows. Wow, I'm I'm actually surprised. As you, as a you know, a huge Star Trek fan, to hear you say that, a that fe- feels like it validates a lot of what I've been trying to say on this show. <laughs> but uh, I mean, do some is that a sort of a a popular? Uh, train of thought to say that DS9 would a lot of people agree with you on that because TNG seems like it's the sacred testament of Star Trek. Right. I, I think that, yeah, next generation probably stands out as the, I, I'm going to guess the most popular, I mean, I haven't done any scientific surveys or anything, but uh, next generation seems to be the most popular one. And, and for whatever reason, Voyager seems to have a bit of popularity as well. And when, Deep Space Nine was on, it got overshadowed by both shows, both of those shows, because... It overlapped, uh, right? Like, it, wasn't it, it? Yeah, it overlapped with Next Generation. Next Generation went off the air, and then the following season, DS9 had about a half a season without any other Trek, but it did have Star Trek Generations. Uh, that, that hit the theaters about that time. And then Voyager came out about halfway through that first, or that, um, I think it was the third season of Deep Space Nine, so there was always another Star Trek show on. And so Deep Space Nine always seemed to be getting overshadowed by the other Star Treks. Now, I'm trying to remember. Did they use – because I remember, I remember hearing that they used TNG to help kind of launch DS9 where uh, Cisco was either on it or there was a bit of an episode that they used as a sort of a, a vehicle to launch that. Did they do the same with DS9 to launch Voyager or no? Yes, in the first episode of Voyager, they are at Deep Space Nine, and uh, Quark is in that is in that pilot. Okay, I think I, that's what I thought. I remembered that because I I think what I was doing when I, as I was watching this, new episodes were on, and this channel that was obviously airing it in syndication was running it up to I think maybe season seven was on, and I was watching uh, seasons one through six uh, in syndication, mm-hmm. and I kind of. 
because I was so into it, I think I bled into watching some of Voyager at that time, just as a result of, because Voyager would have been on season three or four or something. Yeah. Wouldn't it have at that time? Something, yeah, somewhere around there. Seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. Voyager, I, I didn't hate all of what I saw. There was some, there was some good stuff, if I remember, but it just, the premise was a bit Gilligan's Island-y, and some of the cast was just so weak on that one. Yeah, there were, I, I, there, there weren't that great uh, of actors on there, and, and the ones who were pretty strong, I, I think, were just not given uh, either enough to do, or they didn't have good actors to work with, so they, they really couldn't shine like they should have. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing it was with Voyager that Deep Space Nine actually did really well was Voyager wound up being fairly episodic, where Deep Space Nine, um, of all of the shows, except maybe some of Enterprise, was the one that was the least episodic. And there were things that, that were even begun in the first episode of DS9 that weren't paid off until the end even. And there were, you know, lar- long plots, a um, couple of different wars, the, the whole uh, the idea of trying to get Bajor into the Federation, uh, long character arcs, people, um, you know, like Golda Kotz, uh character arc from the beginning to end. Great it, character. Is great, great arc, great character. Um, lots of character development. You know, people, the way they are in the beginning of the series can be drastically different from the way they are at the end. And that's where I felt like Voyager uh, should have gone in that here they are off on the other side of the galaxy and uh, nothing seemed to have changed from season one to season seven. Well, it was really... Uh, for Voyager, it was Adventure of the Week. I mean, the, yes, they had that hook where they're always trying to get home, but it still was pretty, what are we doing this week? Uh, you know, our ship is in this part of space and we fight, you know, this alien or visit this planet. I know Voyager fans are probably going to lynch me for you know dumbing <laughs> it down that much. But that was the thing that attracted me to DS9 was the the long running storylines and the mythology that they kind of created the dominion war was fantastic stuff oh yeah and that lasted i mean multiple seasons i mean that if i that was four or five seasons if i'm not mistaken well they start they introduce the dominion and i i i can't now remember if it was i think they even sort of start planting the seeds as early as season two and in, in what seemed to be a throwaway ferengi episode and um, and then it starts kind of building um, from there, and I believe it was the uh, season two finale. They sort of introduce, I think it was season two finale. They introduced the Jeff Hadar, oh, and, and, um, and I love from, those guys. Oh, those guys are awesome. Um, and then um, season three it builds. Season four they introduce Worf, and they have a whole Klingon um, side war. There's like a war between the Klingons and the Cardassians. And then things really get going, I believe, by season five with the Dominion War. And that goes pretty much up until the end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that's interesting that you brought that up. The Klingon stuff in season four, that was fantastic. I remember a couple episodes. I would be curious to rewatch this to see if it holds up. But they had some like full on. I remember there was like a Klingon that almost attack over DS nine. Like it was multiple spacecrafts. It was like crazy stuff as right. far as TV went. I, I think what you're talking about is the first episode with Worf, And there's a, there's a big um, standoff at deep space nine with uh, tons of birds of praise and Klingon battle cruisers. And yeah, that was fan. And usually, you know, you always run that risk. 
on any show where they it, you kind of look and go, okay, this seems a little obvious that to boost ratings, and that probably is what they were trying to do, but by oh, adding another character onto it, you know? By yeah. trying to put Worf on it, it may have seemed like, oh, this is a bit of a sellout, but I think he did fit that show and added quite a quite a bit to it. I, I think so as well, and they didn't um, they didn't really, like, even though they introduced him uh, in that season, they, they didn't, like, turn him into the star of the show, which is what... I kind of probably wanted at the time, but, um, you know, in the end, I think that was the best choice was to not, to not really dwell on him. The other characters who were already there still were prominent characters. Cisco was still this very much the star of the show. And, um, and Worf was just another member of the crew and they didn't really try and oversell it. He was just, he was just there. Yeah. I thought that I remembered thinking like, Oh, you know, here we go. This is like, uh, you know, the, those sitcoms where they got to add the new little kid on it because we got to think of some clever trick. Yeah. So he's a, he's the Leonardo DiCaprio of Deep Space Nine. Yes. Or the, you know, the 14th Cosby kid, but but I really do. I think that was very successful in terms of his integration into that program. And I even liked how they continued to honor that fact that he was a member of DS nine in some of the, uh, the TNG movies. Yeah. It was a like little the, forced, but uh, yeah, in the in first contact, he shows up in the Defiant. He's captaining captaining the Defiant um, into the little Borg skirmish at the beginning of the movie. Now, the Defiant was created to uh, those that don't know anything about DS Nine. You probably <laughs> turned the show off at this point. But uh, the the Defiant, correct me uh, if I'm wrong, because you are the expert. The, and I will defi- correct you. <laughs> yes, the the Defiant was created to for ds9 to was it against the jemhadar or was it the dominion uh well it's um its backstory was that it was created to fight the borg actually. oh the borg okay that's what and, i thought uh, yeah and so um they it was a prototype they, it shows up in the uh, first first episode of season three cisco is able to um to retrieve it because of their uh, skirmish with um with the dominion with um i believe the vorta and the changelings and see at the end of season two he uh, he shows up with that, and that's sort of their first line of defense to um, uh, to the Dominion uh, because the the wormhole is right there, and um, it has the cloaking device. They're able to kind of work things out with the Romulans, and that's that's like the first cloaked ship for the Federation, or first officially cloaked ship for the Federation. And um, so now, do you think yeah. that that was? Once again, let's look into this beyond just fan lore and think of it from ratings and insider info was that story driven or do we think that they were like listen uh the having the space station is too static we need something for the crew to be able to kind of go out and explore space like the other star trek series well they already had the runabouts so they were doing that to some extent with with those i think um yeah i think it was story driven although there's probably an aspect to it that was um you know, my cynical nature says it was probably a little bit of merchandise driven as well. Like, hey, we can sell models of the Defiant because we're creating another ship. But um, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't mind. I love the Defiant. It's uh, not my favorite of the ships, but I, I really like. I really liked its spunk. Yeah, I did too. And I, 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 the one thing that I liked about it was its visual difference from most of the other Star Trek ships. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. from a crew perspective, not like a from a just another alien race or villains, whatever. It was so 
I mean, it was obviously smaller. It was more stealth. But it, it was – if I was a kid when that was on, I probably would have owned a, you know, a ship for the Defiant, like as a toy. I mean, it was pretty – it was pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, in you know, Star Trek, I never had a – I mean, they, they did have sort of some of those things sometimes. But in Star Trek, or the Federation never really had an X-Wing fighter, so to speak. And yeah. I think the Defiant, I mean, they had shuttlecrafts and those sorts of things, but those weren't really fighters. So the Defiant sort of was the closest that Star Trek ever got to that. Um, you know, it was that smaller ship that kind of weave in and out of the bigger ships. And so that, that was that was a cool aspect of that ship. You know, uh, thank you for the uh, the Star Wars reference so I could put that into context. But, uh, <laughs> the way, you know, as, as we were just discussing that, I kind of thought to myself, Star Trek – Never really glommed on as a toy line, did it? There was in the uh, there was in the um, uh, early nineties a, a line of um, uh, several figures from Playmates. Several, uh, I think there were about five inch action figures. I used to own several of them, so it, it was a pretty long running line. But it wasn't. Uh, it de- I mean, it doesn't hold its place amongst you know GI Joe. Masters of the Universe, and you know, when you think of toy lines, I guess I'm saying as a child of the '80s here, Star Wars was huge. As I mean, as I mean, almost it, the toys were almost bigger than the movie. Yeah, Star Trek for some reason I don't, I don't equate that, and forget the fact that I'm not, I wasn't a, a hardcore fan. I don't even really remember like commercials for toys for Star Trek. Yeah, there weren't. Uh, I mean, there were some throughout the years, but there wasn't uh, consistency. I mean, they. The, toy, the Star Wars toys that are being made now are being made by Hasbro, which bought Kenner. So they're essentially being made by the same people who made them back in the late 70s, where Trek um, Trek went through, I think, Mego made them for a while. You know, they're the big Mego dolls. There were little three and three-quarter inch figures. Uh, later on, there were some bigger ones. And then Playmates probably had the most successful line in uh, the early 90s and the mid-90s. Wow. Neat. I'd say, I'd, I'd like, I, it's just, it's just interesting because I was thinking about that toy. I'm like, I don't know if like a lot of people, when they think of Star Trek, they, they hold it so closely as a narrative, not so much as a childhood memory of smashing Kirk and Spock together on your bed sort of thing. Right, right. I may have sounded a bit dirty. It was, I mean, and that, that was part of the, the show because it was, as a whole, a much more, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking, much more of a, a cerebral show. There wasn't a whole lot of fighting. It was a TV show and not a series of movies, although there were movies. So there, you know, there wasn't a huge special effects budget to show off large battles like Star Wars movies could. Um, so there was a lot of talking. There was a lot of let's talk ourselves out of this fight because that's money we don't have to spend on a battle this week. So um, you know, it's there wasn't really a whole lot of playability that translated to action figures in the same way that maybe Star Wars. I guess, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, the, but that said, a lot. Of, I think as the as the shows, and I, I'm using air quotes like plural. Their shows uh, matured. They started to dial up the action a bit more. I think, especially with maybe Voyager and DS9. But that's the the sort of thinking man's uh, sci-fi is is what it was. My my favorite sort of stuff from what I saw of DS9 beyond that long running storylines that paid off, etc., was I always loved the time travel stuff. I'm a that's probably one of my favorite story devices in 
anything, like whether yeah. you're talking about comic books, movies, television, whatever. And Star Trek did it so well. What? And I know there's probably uh, DS9 maybe didn't even have the best time travel stories. Well, I would argue that maybe it had one of the best time travel stories in the uh, episode where it went back to the original series episode with the Tribbles. Yes, that's the one I was thinking about. That was excellent. Yeah. And, and I loved all the throwbacks to classic Trek that I think Deep Space Nine did more than any of the other series uh, because they had they had the Mirror Universe episodes pretty consistently throughout the uh, the series. They had the uh, original Klingons from the classic Trek yeah, show up. That was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course that uh, that Tribbles episode, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that that one's classic. I think to to anyone that hasn't watched DS uh, Nine, didn't want to give it a chance. Hopefully, for this discussion has made people, you know, maybe think a little differently. But that Tribbles episode is a classic. I mean, it's got to rank up there in terms of best Trek, of TV Trek of all time, at least in the, in my opinion, the top 10 or 20. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I would say it's in my top 10 of Trek. Yeah. Now, was there an episode, because you are the right person to ask, that I remember <laughs> in DS9 where there was O'Brien, where he was kind of bouncing through time? Uh, you may be thinking uh, there was an episode where uh, Cisco and Bashir wound up going to the um, early 21st century, and they were stuck there in a like a um, I think it was in California somewhere in a um, uh, oh, I can't now remember the specifics of it, but there there were they were stuck in that time period, and O'Brien and Kira were trying to pinpoint where they were, so they were using the transporter and like chroniton particles or some such to uh, check different time periods. Okay, and, maybe uh, that is it. That's, I mean, it may, it may not be, there may be another one, but that's that's what comes to mind. Yeah, it just, that, that that's my, the, the, the stuff that I really like about Trek is that they played in all of those great sci-fi conventions and plots, you know, and they, and they kind of did them as unique as possible. They never did it the same way twice. And, right. you, and I, I mean, whether it was on TNG, and I'm even assuming probably the, the original series, even up to maybe Voyager and the other ones, they always tried to put some sort of unique slant onto the time travel or alternate reality or, you know, whatever. I, I like, I, I appreciate, appreciate that. And the more we're talking about it now, I'm, I'm feeling like, A, I kind of almost want to go back and rewatch DS9, but <laughs> I'm almost feeling like I should, I owe it to myself to watch The Next Generation. Maybe that'll be your 2012 New Year's resolution. <laughs> yes, I got to get through Doctor Who first. But yeah. <laughs> um, well, b before we wrap up, I did want to ask you if there was a, I mean, you've mentioned the Triples episode. Is there another episode that stands out to you as your favorite? Mine was probably the one that uh, that a few. I mean, I can't quote the exact storylines as you know as easily as you off the top of my head. <laughs> I do remember that uh, uh, Worf's introduction, which was excellent. But I also remember, I believe it was the season finale where Odo met the other changelings for the first time. Was that like the season three or season four finale? Um, he um, when they were well, on the pl where, when uh, or maybe it wasn't Odo, but that when he discovered that he was the Dominion, basically. I th I think that was um, as I I, th I think it was season two finale. As I recall, is that was that the one? I'm yeah, because I remember there was a, like a bit of a cliffhanger that he, where he discovered his uh, his kind, and that 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 one really that was like holy shit! I got to watch the next one now, man. 
But uh, it's hard for me to pinpoint an exact episode of this because, like we've mentioned before, it's just that Dominion War. I mean, that all of that was fantastic from what I remember. Like it, so that I I would say all of it because it just was. <laughs> it, it it didn't yeah. feel like individual episodes. It was like uh, a long form story. For a lot of it. I mean, there, yeah, there were episode episodic sort of things. I mean, every every so often you got your uh, your Ferengi episode or or the Mirror Universe episode or something uh, something wacky would happen with Chief O'Brien. But um, but yeah, there was a lot of uh, long form st- storytelling uh, with with the war for sure. And, and even what that, was your, of, now, what was ahead. your favorite episode? If you could, um, or a couple episodes? I'd say my favorite episode came in the uh, sixth season. And it was a, it was an episode titled uh, "In the Pale Moonlight." And uh, it was the one where Cisco and Garrick, who Garrick is probably one of the best Trek characters ever, um, but Garrick, Cisco and Garrick team up to attempt to get the Romulans to join the war against the Dominion. And uh, it's one of the darkest Trek episodes ever. It's probably my favorite Star Trek episode of all the series. Wow! Very, uh, very powerful. Uh, very well done. Very uh, against the grain of Trek. I mean, they. Uh, that's what I liked about Deep Space Nine is it wasn't as clean as the other series. They they would go in darker places, and that's definitely one where they went there. Yeah, I, I think I'm like see. I remember all of these moments now when that when you talk about it. I think I gotta rewatch that. Does it hold up when you went and rewatched? Uh, went back and revisited it. Yes, yes, I would say. I'd say that there's some stuff maybe early on that doesn't, but definitely by the. Um, uh, by the fourth season, it, it is. I mean, there's stuff in the first three that hold up real well, but by the fourth season, it's it just it's on fire. Yeah, I think I may have to do that. Maybe I won't make it a resolution. I'll just do it in my own time. But I, think yeah. I, I, because I, I, I've, I have seen it. I saw the way it concluded, and I was satisfied with the way the series ended too. I might add. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I may. I owe it to myself to maybe go back and check it out. Yeah, and I don't know about for Canada, but for the U.S. Um, for those of you who listen in the U.S., uh, Netflix will be streaming all of Deep Space Nine, I think, beginning October 1. Really? So Netflix. Um, I think some. I think most of the other series will be out this summer on Netflix, and then by uh, October 1, Deep Space Nine will be. Uh, cool. Cause, okay, because Netflix, I've heard in Canada, is almost you know, comparable to the U S we're getting close and I have, I have seen no star Trek yet. So as, as of now, do you have anything on Netflix for star Trek? You don't, it's coming in the summer. I'll be honest. I mean, I own all the stuff I want, so I haven't even checked, but I I think, I think most of it's coming in July, if I remember correctly. And then for whatever reason, DS nine isn't coming until October. Nice. Well, that's encouraging because I will hopefully Canada will follow suit, but knowing us, it'll happen two years later. (laughs) Yes. So resolution for 2014. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you for the talk, Mr. DiGiovanni. It was uh, quite uh, informative. And uh, <laughs> thank you for the guidance, CT. You're welcome. Uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to make any predictions about episode 115, uh, since we are recording this before. Uh, see, if, see if you wanted to make any predictions about, uh, that, about that episode. Okay, so this episode that's going to be taped in the future for us, but you, the listener, have likely listen, already listened to. Correct. Uh, uh, th- these are my predictions. Andrew Bloom is going to surprise you by his Star Trek knowledge. Number two, Christian is going to surprise you in Han how little he knows about Star Trek. <laughs> and number three, Downs is going to swear a lot. 
I think those are pretty safe predictions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess that about does it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, for more on me, you can visit nerdlunch.net, where I have recently posted the third episode of Nerd Lunch, the web series. And you can also find me on Twitter at Nerd Lunch, and we have a Facebook page and would love for all of you to come to Facebook and like us there. You can get to that by going to facebook.com slash Nerd Lunch. And of course, definitely check out theatomicgeeks.com where you can get updated on their shows and get access to their forums. I'm on there every so often chatting about stuff, and uh, it's a fun time in the forums. Uh, Michael DiGiovanni is on Twitter at The Atomic Geeks, and they also have a Facebook page it's facebook.com slash the atomic geeks that will do it for this tag special on behalf of michael de giovanni and the rest of the atomic geeks who aren't here this is ct signing off you've just listened to another episode of the atomic geeks visit us at the atomic production by andrew bloom title track by don't look down 